What up, guys? Your boy Quake back with a brand new episode of the Diverse Mentality Podcast, number two hundred and seven. And as you guys know, man, always there's something new, some bullshit going on, some crazy shit going on, some weird things going on. That's the world of hip hop, man. I love it. I love talking about it. I love you guys listening, giving me your feedback, all that stuff. I want to get into immediately the bullshit. I got to get into the bullshit as usual. Uh, Bow Wow. Yes, Bow Wow. Uh, You know, in my book, he is... This is going to sound crazy a little bit. Even on my end, it's going to sound a little crazy and kind of bullshit-like. But on my end, he was the one that potentially could have been the Michael Jackson of hip-hop because he started at such a young age. It was so popular at a young age. And then he started acting as well and was doing good in acting. I think he could have been like, you know... He got an earlier start than Chris Brown, but I just Bow Wow couldn't maintain the hits, the the success factor, which is hard. You know that that's that's something that's especially once you get into like a certain age, people start losing interest in you, or like you your voice becomes a little bit more, uh, you know, uh, essentially your voice gets deeper. You start going through puberty, all that your balls drop, so on and so forth. Uh, you know, he kind of lost interest, and he's been he's been the a meme joke for a while. You know, like, uh, I don't know. I think it was like in 2017, he posted a video of him like walking in a, in a public area and like he hold, he held the video up and in like the caption and it said like, they don't know I'm Bow Wow and walk right past them. Like something like that. And then the internet just trolled the shit out of him and was like, nobody knows who you are. What are you talking about? Those kids have no idea who you are. Now the kids of today's time, they really don't know Bow Wow like that. I mean, I would be surprised genuinely, but you know, if you're in your 30s, 40s, late 20s, I think you know Bow Wow. Uh, also, uh, you know, he had that Bow Wow challenge where he faked his uh, private jet flight, all that. So uh, Bow Wow has been a butt of jokes. And this uh, this is kind of wild, man. This is crazy. Bow Wow allegedly stole money from a 10-year-old girl. Yeah, yeah. So let's get into this. Uh, the article says Bow Wow has been sued for 15000 by a 10-year-old girl whose family claims she paid for a feature that she never received. According to court documents obtained by the Neighborhood Talk, the girl in question allegedly paid Bow Wow 3000 via Cash App for a feature. And while Bow accepted the money, her family is claiming he never held up his end of the bargain. Now the father of the 10-year-old is suing for $15,000. Uh, based on the foregoing and as a direct consequence of defendants' actions and failures, Plaintiff's total damages, including costs and attorney fees, amount to 15000 the document read. Bow Wow has since denied the claims taken to Twitter on Wednesday, not even Twitter, it's going to be called X pretty soon here, uh, to claim that he doesn't conduct business on apps. So uh, this is what he said. It's a long, it's a fairly long tweet. Uh, he said, D-pimping done got y'all again, huh? I don't conduct business on apps. I do not use or have Cash App to have... So if you ain't call management and send a wire, you definitely was not dealing with me. Be careful who you send y'all money to online. This happens every day to folks. This is the third time somebody acting like me catfishing people. So uh, that is a great defense, honestly. I'm going to be 100% honest with you. That is a great defense to say that it wasn't you. Uh, the suit, The lawsuit comes mere days after Shad Moss, what's his real name, announced he would be bringing back another installment of the Scream Tours from the early 2000s, which which previously included performances from BT, B, B2K, Chris Brown and Bow Wow, in their younger years. He said the new tour would help introduce the next generation of hit makers to the masses. Um, so I've heard a lot of people that send money to fake uh, management, fake labels, fake artists, and it's unfortunate because uh, there's been there's a lot of them. Uh, I have uh, a friend that that is an upcoming rapper that. Uh, would always check with me uh, because a lot of this stuff is, is easy to spot, but if you don't know how to look for it, you know, for me, it's easy to spot. I've been in this, I've been doing online, anything online since I was 12 years old. You know, I used to have a YouTube channel, not with me talking or my face, but it would just be out to upload music videos, promote my website, so on and so forth. So I know online and know all the scams, all the bullshit that comes with it. I mean, what was funny is just like recently young buck posted on his Instagram page that, uh, you know, if you're getting scammed into thinking that, you know, this is Cashville Records messaging you guys for a feature, it's not. This happens a lot in the hip-hop world. It's unfortunate. A lot of people pretend to be somebody or they'll take a picture with a celebrity and pretend to be 
you know, the club promoter or manager and be like, yo, look, you know, I took a photo of all these celebrities. I can, you know, get you this feature with this artist. So Bow Wow, in his defense, um, that probably probably happened. Maybe the father thought this is really Bow Wow, that if I pay him $3,000, I'm going to get a feature from Bow Wow. One, I would never pay $3,000 for a feature from Bow Wow in 2023. Sorry, it's not worth three grand to me. That feature isn't really going to do anything much for her career. Unfortunately, uh, it's not worth the $3,000. I'd rather put that into uh, more music that she could make. She has a better success rate of having a viral hit song with that 3000 she invested in the studio versus having a song with a feature of Bow Wow going viral. That's just the reality of the situation. No disrespect to Bow Wow, but it's not worth the three grand. Uh, second, uh, if Bow Wow actually stole from a 10-year-old, shame on him. That is disgusting. But like I said, I do understand Bow Wow. There's actually a, a clip on TikTok that went viral fairly recently, and it's the game, Los Angeles Confidential, on Instagram, which is the game's Instagram name, uh, messaging about a feature. And this guy ended up paying like, I don't know what the amount was, man. I think it was like $5,000, something like something. Like he would pay, like it was, an, it was a payment plan for him. Like he would send $500, another $500, another $500, another $500. Then once he reached that $5,000, he asked game, hey, where's my uh, feature verse, whatever. Oh, you know, game responds with all oh, management that didn't figure things out, this and that. And, you know, it's been like probably six months and he hasn't gotten a feature at all from game. Now, um, <clears throat> Game's been reported to have those type of scams, but I do know that Game's account is ran by various different people. So I don't know if they're doing the scams and Game is just allowing it to happen under his name, which is very unprofessional in Game's end. I would love to talk to Game about that because, you know, I would love for him to clear his name on that if it's not him because there are people that run Game's account. I got a message from Game a while ago because it's run from somebody else's account as well. When I got a message from Game, I was like, oh, shit, the Game... And then the guy's like, yo, this is the game's account. And it was. I checked it. I'm not stupid to be like, oh, Los Angeles Confidential. It's the game. No, I checked the account. Same amount of followers. Same verified everything. So it was the game's account, but it was ran by somebody else. Now, they could have easily manipulated me and been like, you know what? I run game's account. But check this out. Uh, if you want game to come to your podcast, you know, let's give me $2,000. You know, if I was naive and stupid, I would send it two grand. But me, I'm not, you know, so... Uh, it's unfortunate a lot of people get caught in these situations. So I always tell people, you know, like the, the, the Young Buck Cashville thing where the Cashville Records messaging people and stealing money from them. This is the number one giveaway that it wasn't Cashville Records. Like Young Buck sent the screenshot up and it literally said Cashville Records from Canada. Like what, where, what in the flying fuck? First off, Young Buck can't even travel to Canada due to his restrictions of all the legal stuff he's gone through. You know, when 50 was touring in Canada with... Uh, banks in them he couldn't even go there so that's the first thing second thing i know a lot of people don't know that but the second thing is cashville records it's from nashville nashville tennessee that's what you were that's where you would expect cashville records to be at not fucking canada it just doesn't make any sense that's like the number one flag so check emails you know check you know because sometimes you could you know an l can look like an i and it can be switched uh there's a lot of things man there's people that always message fake accounts that message me for my Instagram page, my Diverse Mentality one with 250,000 followers, they message me and say, hey, we can get you verified. All you got to do is uh, submit your information here and it's all your login information. They take your login information, steal it, boom, my account's gone. They they robbed me of my account because I thought I can get verified through them. No, guys, do not fall for this shit. Look, Google, do your Googles, search things up, make sure you know it's legit. I remember a while ago, I even got... Uh, I didn't get scammed, but I looked, this is back when I was like 18, 19. I was looking uh, to buy a car and I love this Audi A5 at the time. It was like $8,000, $10,000, somewhere around there. And this guy was like listing it on like uh, Craigslist and uh, he listed it for like five, $4,000, $5,000. I was like, holy shit, that's cheap, you know? So I looked, it didn't have a salvage title. Salvage means a uh, car accident. You know, it, it wasn't involved in a car accident. It wasn't, but the guy gave me this long thing of like, Hey, I'm from the military. I have to get rid of this car quick because I'm not going to be home for the next three years and I don't need it and I need to sell it quick. And, you know, I was like, okay, that makes kind of sense. And then he was like, send me the money and I can ship you the car. And I was like, nah, that's not going. I know me being, you know, not naive and just, you know, believing anything. I actually copy and paste it with the guy wrote searching on Google 
And turns out it's a regular scam that everybody's gotten in messages. Uh, people post it on Reddit, post all these things. Hey, look, this is what I got as a message. Is it real? Is it fake? And everybody said it was fake. And clearly, if it's too good to be true, nine times out of ten, it's fake. Um, honestly, for me, paying 3000 for a Bow Wow verse would be overpriced. You know, I'd probably pay 1000 if I was really looking for a Bow Wow verse. You know, 500 to 1000 to me is fair. Um, so paying three grand for me would have just been a red flag immediately. You know, that's no disrespect to Bow Wow. But I feel bad for him, man. If this is really a situation where uh, he had nothing to do with it, I do feel bad for him. Uh, but he's going to have to prove that in court now that, it's, now that he's getting sued. You know, uh, he's going to have to prove that that's not him. He never, you know, that he doesn't have cash apps and all this stuff. So also another indication, like I said, cash app, uh, anything shady where it's not like an email directly associated with Bow Wow. You know, I know that's hard to find, but like, you know, like a good indication would be contact at bowwow.com, you know, something like a domain that's like official, um, you know, and ask this to, to, to video, you know, chat with people. You know, most people that scam don't like to go on video cameras and don't like to chat with you on FaceTime or whatever the case may be on Zoom or all these other platforms that you can video chat on. That's probably one of the key indications. And if it's just simply, this is one of the simplest indications that if it's a scam or not, if it's too good to be true. Like, like I said, the car. You know, I, the car is worth ten grand. The guy was selling to me for four thousand. Come on, it's a six thousand dollar discount. That's way too good to be true. I was like eighteen, so yeah, I was a little naive, but I never fell for it. So that's what I mean, guys. Uh, be be very weary out here. Uh, you know, because a lot of this shit's just bullshit. Man. A lot of scammers, people who don't have jobs, don't have shit to do with their lives, uh, that don't want to work, don't want to get up their ass and actually earn a living, uh, want to scam. So, uh, yeah, man, I'll keep my eye on this and see what's going on. But yeah, bad, bad day for Bow Wow when this started hitting uh, the Twitter world and all that stuff. Speaking of somebody who's worked with Bow Wow, Soldier Boy, he's going through his own situation, man. And this is not looking good. I don't know if this is a situation, uh, you know, where he's kind of faking his net worth and kind of making it seem like he doesn't have money to give up. You know, we reported on this a while ago about uh, his ex-girlfriend that got beat up by him, allegedly got beat up by him. Uh, winning about four hundred like something thousand dollars, four hundred thirty thousand, and then him going to the IRS and saying I'm in, I have taxed up a million dollars. So uh, let's go over the article. So Soldier Boy's financial woes don't look as if they'll be easing off anytime soon, as the rappers, ha- as the rappers, as the rappers has been ordered. That makes no sense. As the rapper has been ordered to fulfill his monetary legal obligations despite his one million dollar tax debt. In early 2023, Soldier Boy. Uh, was found liable for allegedly assaulting his ex-girlfriend in 2019. Kayla Myers took the 32-year-old to court claiming that he hit her with a gun, for which she ultimately was awarded $472,000. That's a lot of smackaroos, man. Uh, half this, I wasn't meaning smackaroos, I'm like smacking the girl, I apologize. That was a wrong term to use, but money, it's a lot of money. Uh, half this amount was for punitive damages, which the rapper has been trying to avoid paying. According to Radar Online, Myers objected to his proposal by suggesting to sell off his assets. So she said, nah, I need that fucking, give me that bread, sell that fucking Bentley you got, sell that Lamborghini you got, sell that damn Soldier Boy gaming system you got, all that shit, sell it all, I want all the money, man. Uh, which the Los Angeles Superior Court judge agreed with. Uh, boom, agreed, pointing out that the crank that rapper was in a position to make enough money to satisfy his debt. Horrible position to be in, man. Uh, while it is not clear the defendant could snap his fingers and book as many shows as he would like, neither is it clear that he cannot work at all. The judge said it might not be able, it might not be the work he wants, and he might not be headlining. But the court has no reason to believe that he cannot perform at all. So they're saying you better get your ass on the road. And actually, ironically, Soldier Boy is doing a tour right now. So that is kind of ironic in this situation. He is doing a tour. He hasn't done a tour in a minute. So. Uh, yeah, I'm going to see if he's actually going to pull up in Atlanta. I definitely want to talk to him. I'm going to hit up my mic. i got to remind myself to do that. Uh, regarding the rapper's claims about the financial struggles, the judge said someone as close to zero financially as defendant claims to be might want to scale down the living arrangements. 25000 is a lot of monthly rent. That is fucking a lot. Jesus. Uh, even in Los Angeles, there's no reason of which the court is aware that he could uh, not relocate to a more modest $10,000 a month home. He concluded defendant must be earning money from somewhere sufficient to pay for the rent and whatever other monthly expenses he has. In other words, defendant is paying 300000 a year in rent alone. 
Damn, that's a lot of money, man. Shit. 300000 a year. Jeez. And rent a low man. Some people just got bread. It's ridiculous. First off, that's a horrible business decision. All that money you're putting towards renting, why don't you just own a house, soldier boy? Come on, man. You out here doing it backwards, brother. Come on. All that 300000 a year, you can put that into a house, bro. It might not be a mansion, but shit. The way the market was, you could have bought like three different houses right now. You could have flipped them all. Somebody needs to tell Soldier Boy not to rent anymore. Anyways, uh, continuing on, it stands to reason that he must have some other living expenses and that money must come from somewhere. It is not coming from loans for defendant did not testify to any other debts. So although the court does not know from where, uh, from whence the money is coming, it is coming from somewhere. It is not an impossible interference uh, to conclude that his overall financial condition must be sufficient to allow him to live the lifestyle he does without going into debt. Soldier admitted uh, that his assets are limited. He owns three cars, two worth two hundred fifty thousand each, and one worth a hundred thousand. He was about eighteen thousand. He has about eighteen thousand dollars of jewelry and fifty thousand dollars worth of stock. His attorney told the Santa Monica Superior Court that he couldn't liquidate his assets because they are, in essence, tools of his trade. Yeah, we talked about this. Um, so, yeah, they're basically saying, you know. Uh, where the fuck is his money coming from? How is this guy paying for a two hundred twenty-five thousand a month rent, which is insane? You know, they're saying uh, they're saying his net worth is negative because it makes no sense, and it is negative because based off all the assets he has, he doesn't own a house. You know, he only owns three cars. Like that's what I mean. He's renting out a house. Renting that person that's renting out is banking on Soldier Boy right now. He is loving that guy because twenty five thousand a month just to rent a house. Soldier Boy is losing twenty five grand a month. Think about that. You're giving away twenty five thousand dollars a month. Like literally, if he just went to buy a house and paid ten thousand dollars a month in rent, I mean ten thousand dollars a month to own, he'd be in better position in life. And think about this: Soldier Boy's had money for a while. Imagine he owned houses back in like two thousand. 13 or 2012 or 2010 when they were really dirt cheap we're talking uh recession proof coming back you know from the recession bro he could have been he could have had like seven eight houses right now and flipped them right now they're at the highest peak ever this is what i mean guys like don't try if you can get out i know it's hard for regular people like us you know us brokies uh that's why i call us we are brokies um we just gotta live in that reality uh but we'll make it guys we'll all make it we just gotta grind be smart with our money. We'll get there. You know, we can't just skyrocket and become multimillionaires. We're all regular people. We're not soldier boy, okay? Um, but that's what I mean. Just take, you know, if you can get out of a renting situation and try to own. Like, see, for example, this office, I'm renting it right now. You know, me, I would like to stack up money, eventually buy some land and build my own office so that I'm not paying rent to somebody. I'm giving them, you know, and that's going to take a while for me, guys. It's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take me probably three, four, five, six years. I don't know how long. But... Me, I'm, you know, I don't, renting, you know, if you can get out of a renting situation, yes, it's easier to get approved and to get into places. That's the positives about renting. And you don't really got to worry about a lot of the different things that go on. Like if you're renting a, in a house, like if there's something that breaks, Soldier Boy doesn't have to worry about it. You know, the person that owns the house actually has to worry about it for the most part, depending on the contract. But this is throwing away money. That's all I'm saying, guys. $25,000 a month to a house that you don't even own. You're just giving, you're just basically saying here, Every month, here's $25,000 to this person, $25,000. I'm never going to own this house. Here's another $25,000. 300000 a year. I don't know how long he's lived there. Let's just say he's lived there five years. Three, six, nine, 12, 15, $1.5 in that guy's pockets, whoever owns the house. Um, yeah, man. Bad, bad, bad uh, situation for Soldier Boy. I don't know. He could, be, he could be flexing, guys. He could have all the money in the world. He could just be saying this because he doesn't want to pay the girl the money. You know, we... You know these type of situations. If I was soldier by file for bankruptcy, quite frankly, uh, get out of this situation as, as best as you can. And, uh, you know, that way you don't have to pay the, the you know, the taxes will never go away. You're going to have to pay that regardless. Um, but the female situation, you can reduce that if you go into bankruptcy and say, hey, I can't afford this. I can't do this. I can't do this. I need to restructure my business, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, maybe you can get away with paying half of that money, which is better than 473. Maybe you can end up paying like 220, 230. Uh, that sucks as well, but uh, it's hell of a lot better than 472000 that you owe. So, Soldier Boy, get your shit together. Get out of that place renting, bro. Uh, you know, and hopefully the tour goes well. Like I said, I'm going to see. I'm going to hit up Miami Mike and see uh, if he comes to Atlanta. If uh, 
you can stop by the podcast. That would be cool. Get Soldier Boy. I want to ask him a, a very interesting question that nobody's ever asked him, and I think this would get the internet really going for Soldier Boy because you know he's the type of person that he likes to say things where like you know it catches the the eyes of the all internet, and I think it's an interesting, interesting uh, question, and it's kind of rub a lot of people the wrong way, and I know it will. Um, it's a, but it's a valid question, you know. Um, it involves him and one of the biggest rappers in the world. I think you guys kind of know if you guys watched very old episodes of the podcast. Uh, with Sean, you guys will probably know. Uh, you guys will know what I'm talking about. Uh, let's continue on. So, uh, Nelly and Nelly Chaba. What the fuck does Nelly and Nelly Chaba have to do with each other? Nelly Chaba dropped a song, and this song is homage to Nelly's Hot in Here. It samples it. Um, you know, he's dressed like Nelly in the video. He's got the whole Band-Aid, the headband, the baggy clothes, the jersey, a bunch of women shaking booty. Um, and personally, I heard the song, and it might be, I'm not even exaggerating when I say this, it might be the biggest two-pack of ass I've heard this year. I'm not even going to sugarcoat this. Uh, it is a big piece, it is a big pile of dog shit, straight dog shit that stinks from a mile away. Um, it's like you take dog shit, you put it in a microwave, and you just heat, heat it up so it fucking stinks the whole house. That's what this is. This is a Big pile of dog shit. Um, it ruined the original Nelly record. Um, I am not a fan of this song. And this is with all due respect to Nelly, Nelly Chapa. Uh, I think he is a great artist. Uh, I think he's got great records. He's got, he's very versatile. But this shit is a, it's donkey shit. It's, 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 imagine a donkey ear fucking you. That's what this is. Put that visual in your mind. A donkey just ear fucking you. That's what, that's what this is. It's a big pile of dog shit um i'm not gonna play this song i'm gonna save you guys the torture if you want to listen to it go ahead uh i don't even know what the fuck it's called uh that's how much of a dog shit it is but uh you know the homage is cool i'm not a fan of a lot of these uh i get it because they're younger kids you know i'm sounding old as fuck saying this even though i'm only 28 um these younger kids are sampling early 2000s a lot of them grew up on that hell if i was a rapper right now you know, when I was blowing up, I would probably sample some early 2000s stuff. I think that's cool. Just do it tastefully. Uh, do it with respect to the original song. Uh, I like the video. I like the fact that he dressed up as him, you know. But 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 the song is dog shit, okay? Uh, donkey ear fucking dog shit. Hot pile of smelly microwaved dog shit. Uh, two pack of ass. Uh, I don't even know. Let me, let me see what the fuck the title of the song. The article doesn't even mention the fucking title of the song. What is the title of this fucking song? So you guys can 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 check out this uh this fucking Let's see. Is this it? What the f it's not even on his YouTube channel. What the fuck is going on? Where what is this song? Yeah, I don't yeah. I don't even know the. I don't even. Uh, he previewed it on his on his Twitter. I saw it on there. Regardless, uh, Nelly approved of it, which was uh, surprising to me. He said, uh, "Go up, nephew," with up arrow emojis, fire emoji, uh, and then he wrote in uh, Nelly, and then Chapa reacted to it and said, "Nelly approved." Green check mark emoji. I ain't gonna lie, guys. Uh, Nelly, Nelly's capping on this one for one million percent. I know it sounds like it, it would sound like he's hating if he if he didn't approve of it, but uh, I don't know if I'm gonna play this shit. Okay, so uh, the song's called "It's Getting Hot" and it's coming out Friday. So I don't know. Based off the video, the sample I heard, it is yeah, it's not good, guys. I'm not a fan of it. Uh, everybody in the comments, I think Yayo's commenting fire emoji. Uh, DJ Paul from 3-6 Mafia has commented fire emoji. Y'all lying as a motherfucker to this kid, and shame on you grown adults for lying to this kid. Uh, yeah. I'm going to let you guys listen to it and just make your guys' own opinion, but that's where I stand with this track. So, yeah. Now, what I want to talk about is uh, Eminem and Dr. Dre coming together once again Shady slash Aftermath to sign a new rapper. 
Yes. Uh, this guy is from Las Vegas. He goes by the name of Easy Mill. Easy M-I-L. And uh, he's probably got one of the illest photos on Instagram right now. Eminem posted it. Dr. Dre posted it. And, of course, that Easy Mill guy posted it. Uh, this is fucking... This is like the 50 Cent moment. But without the buzz. You know? Uh, he's got Dr. Dre behind him. Eminem behind him. And he's posing. Which is a hard-ass photo. I ain't gonna lie. If I... But this is this is this is my dream essentially. If I dropped a photo like that with my documentary on Get Rich or Die Trying, I had Doc Dre or Fifty or Eminem Fifty behind me, you know, with some crazy post, that would be fucking legendary. So salute to this guy, uh, big round of applause to this guy for getting Eminem and Dr. Dre to collaborate together to sign them. I believe I could be wrong on this. You guys might be able to correct me on this. I looked this up. I don't know. I can't find anything relating to this. I believe the last time Dr. Dre and Eminem collaborated together to work with an artist was Fifty Cent. Uh, I don't think Obi Trice was on Aftermath. I don't think anybody, Yellow Wolf, uh, Slaughterhouse, or any of these people, they're all on Shady Records. 50 and M actually collaborated with, with uh, not 50 and M, but Dre and M collaborated with 50, you know, to get him out there. Uh, so this guy has got the backing of Dr. Dre and Eminem. So clearly they hear something in this guy that we, I checked out his songs. I'm not going to lie. I checked out some of the records. Uh, it is a little bit different. It's interesting. He's he's a singer slash rapper, so he can do a lot. Great flow. I enjoyed what I heard based off the tracks. I've only heard like three tracks. I didn't listen to the whole uh, album. He has like an album called Duality. Uh, or Duality is D-U-4-L-I-7-Y. Yeah, Duality. I don't know. Some shit like that. Um, from Las Vegas, so that's interesting. Uh so, this is interesting. Let's see. So, let's go over the article. Uh, Eminem and Dr. Dre have inked a joint deal with up-and-coming Las Vegas rapper Easy Mills, signing the 24-year-old 24 year to Interscope Aftermath and Shady Records. On Wednesday, uh, M took to Instagram to announce the signing of Easy. Me and Dre back at it. He wrote, check uh, Ezekiel Miller, a.k.a. Easy Mill, out. Uh, link in bio. He then moved to Twitter to confirm that the rapper's up-downside step-and-walk music video. Uh, which dropped earlier this year, was the reason for the signing. So they saw the song Up, Down, Step, and Walk, uh, the music video. They saw it, uh, and then Eminem said, this is why we signed him. I checked out the track. It's a pretty good track. Um, but clearly, they got to they gotta hear something in this guy more than what, what he did. And I saw somebody say something that was interesting. Uh, this guy, one guy commented, or somebody said something. I don't know who. I don't know if there's a person commenting or somebody on Twitter or something. They said this guy should have built his buzz up a little bit more before he actually signed a deal with them because he's just going to get shelved. And I can see where where people are coming from from that because a lot of Eminem's artists and a lot of Dr. Dre's artists have just been shelved. Like, they've been signed to them, but then they never fucking come out. And I believe it's different with this because you got Dre and Em involved. And last time they were involved, 50 obviously dropped his album. So, you know, with them coming together, I think there's a bigger possibility that this guy can blow up and actually come out with an album. Uh, you got Dr. Dre's production, Eminem's backing. Like, I'm excited to hear this shit. You know, I hope it puts a spark in, you know, M and Dre. And, you know, I think they need that. They need a new, fresh guy to come in. Uh, the photo's hard, man. I know this guy's getting all kinds of DMs, all kinds of bitches sliding his DMs right now. He is blowing the fuck up. I'm sure his Instagram, I haven't checked his Instagram, but that shit's blowing up. Like, it is a hard photo, man, to have that. Uh, he is cheesing in that bitch, and I'd be cheesing. I'd be showing all my teeth, bro. All my teeth when I'm smiling. That is cold, man. So salute to him. Uh, let's see. Uh, in February, Easy Mail released a video for Duality single Up Down, which gained the traction, which gained traction after fans noted stylistic similarities to Eminem. About a month later, the later heard the song, and Easy Mail drove from Vegas to Los Angeles to link up with Dre and M for the first time. Uh, he said this, we've never been out there signing a lot of artists. And one of the great things about how we built Shady is how selective we've been, Marshall Mathers said in a statement to Hip Hop and more. It's even rarer that Dre and I signed something together, but I heard Easy's music and was like, this is really special. So I took it to Dre. We both agreed to it. It would be a great fit. And we wanted to work with him right on the spot. Dre added, I'm really only interested in working on shit that sounds different from anything else going on out there. And only then if I, if I feel I can really bring something to it, M played me easy, and I had that feeling. 
that thing that happens when we both know we found something special and that was it. Let's get to work. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. Last time it happened was 50 Cent, so that's a huge kind of thing to live up to. I don't know if this guy's on a, on a 50 Cent level, but uh, definitely interesting, man. It is interesting. Uh, yeah, this is going to be... Yeah, uh, I'm going to, you know... I'm going to, you know, keep my eye on this guy's music. Obviously, a lot of people are. If you're a fan of M and Dre, you know, uh, I wish I could play this song. It's nine million times probably copyrighted. Let me see. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm not going to play the song, but I want to check out the views. Yeah, he's already at a million views. I think the last time I saw it was at like 700,000 or something like that, 800,000. So, yeah, man, he's going to get a lot of publicity, a lot of people checking it out, a lot of people. Uh, I heard the song's pretty good, man. I don't, I don't think... Uh, I don't know. I'm not sold on the whole, this guy's a whole special, uh, you know, artist and he's doing all these crazy things. But what this goes to show is you never know who's paying attention, man. You never know who is paying attention out there. Who's watching your stuff? Who is, uh, you know, checking it out? You know, uh, I wish people of that caliber would reach out more and tell people that, hey, yo, I fuck with this, blah, blah, blah. You know, even if they're not signing it or they're not co-signing it, like in public, you know, I, I appreciated the people that actually said to me, hey, I watched your documentary. I watched your videos. It's dope. Like, I've had Chameleon Air, Mike Jones, Wale, uh, you know, off the top of my head. I can't think of a lot. Uh, recently, DJ Khaled, he followed us and actually showed love in the documentary. Uh, so that's what I mean. Like, I, I like people that show love uh, publicly, mostly. Uh, T-Pain did publicly. I think Chameleon Air did publicly. Uh, and that's it, I think, publicly. But privately, I've gotten, you know, a few people here and there, too, as well, uh, that I, off the top of my head. Uh, I remember being on Ace Hood's mixtape, my video that he saw, he put it on the mixtape, which was cool. So, I, you know, if I ever get to that level where I'm, like, you know, a huge YouTuber, documentary maker, I definitely want to co-sign and shout out people that uh, that are doing dope, you know, that I'm checking out. I think there's nothing nothing wrong with that. I think it motivates, it helps, it inspires. So, uh, you know. You never know who's watching. So this is a perfect example of that. We're going to keep an eye on this guy and see if he's actually, uh, you know, worth the cosign of both of them. Eminem made Jay-Z cooler. That's what Big Gip says. And yes, it's a controversial take, but let me explain why it's not that controversial if you actually listen to what he's saying. Big Gip is part of the Goody Mob back in the early 2000s. The Goody Mob was huge, you know, in Atlanta specifically, and then, you know, all around America eventually got their accolades uh, Big Gip sat down with the Art of Dialogue, talked about Renegade, the track, and this is the ongoing debate that's been going on in hip-hop for quite some time about who did better on Renegade, Jay-Z or Eminem, and it's really about perspective because uh, lyrically they both did their thing, but Eminem raps about a different thing and then Jay-Z raps about a different thing, and depending on where you're part of life and where you're coming from, most people can relate more to Jay-Z versus what Eminem is saying on the track, but that's not really the debate in this video. The debate that comes up is that Big Gip says Eminem made Jay-Z cooler. And why he said that, let's play the clip and then we'll talk about it. Who had the better verses on Renegade, M or J? <laughs> hey, man. You know. Hey, man. Eminem. And I fought, I, I fought with Jay-Z. Like, Jay-Z one of the best. Top five. You know what I mean? Solo rappers. Top five. You know what I mean? But Eminem at that time was a fucking monster, man. He was eating everybody that stood next to him. Now, what you're going to say and what most people are going to say is, well, I identify more with what Jay-Z said because that's my life and that's where I come from and that's my background. Okay, that's right. But at the same time, you got to look at Eminem and say, yeah, but look at the kids that was looking up to him, look like him, and got his background. Now that takes him off into the the, the middle of America <laughs> and a lot of places that we probably wasn't at yet. So if you look at the demographics, I'm sure that Eminem and Jay-Z, Eminem took Jay-Z into a lot of places and a lot of households he had never been in just because he was on the song with Eminem. So you got to look at both sides of it. If you was to put the same uh, light on M, he really represented 
his community the same as Jay represented his community at the time of them doing that record. But as far as influence, shit, to me, M came out as being as great or even as a better rapper than Jay, technically, on that record, you know? And I know as far as it being his record, I think that he took Jay-Z into households that Jay-Z wasn't in at that time. He made Jay-Z cooler. There's no way Jay-Z made him cooler. Now, there are a lot of people mad at this take. They're mad at Big Gibbs saying that, oh, Eminem never made Jay-Z cooler. Jay-Z was always the shit, blah, 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 blah. Nobody's debating that Jay-Z is not one of the greatest of all time. He is, period, point blank. You know, even Big Gibbs says top five all time. That's the thing that goes over people's heads. They think, oh, just hating. All you guys do is hate on Jay-Z. I even get that. And even though I say Jay-Z is one of the greatest of all time, Jay-Z has one of the longest uh, longevity in hip-hop of all time. Obviously, he can. he's still relevant. He's still, if he dropped an album right now, people would still listen to it, blah, 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 so on and so forth. All those accolades, great, cool. This is where people are getting really hurt about what Big Gibbs saying is that Eminem made Jay-Z cooler. He did. Jay-Z was not really known when it comes to white people, middle America. They knew Eminem. Eminem made hip-hop way bigger than what it was because it introduced white people to it. Whether people want to acknowledge that or not, there really wasn't that cool of a white rapper before Eminem, like uh, at that tier. Yeah, you had the Beastie Boys, but come on, what else did you have? Vanilla Ice, like, let's be honest here. Eminem was the, the, that rapper that actually was cool and that actually could make great music and that was backed by one of the best producers of all time, Dr. Dre. So that catapulted hip-hop to the next level. And the proof in this is, I, I actually looked this up. I never made like a graph of it. I should. But if you look up every single year that Eminem dropped an album in the early 2000s, you'll see every artist in that same year that dropped sold more than what their albums did without the year that Eminem didn't drop. So if you're confused, what I'm saying is that what I'm saying is every year that Eminem dropped, every time that he dropped, other artists would sell a lot more as well. The reason why is because it's hard to fathom right now, unless you're, you know, over, I don't know, 25 years old, you can probably fathom this. But if you're under 24, you're probably like, well, that makes no sense. Because at the time, CDs were literally in stores and you had to go buy albums physically, go in the store, buy them. And what would happen, right? You guys, you guys would go in the store, Best Buy, Walmart, wherever, Target, any location. You would see a rack, and then you would see Eminem's album. And guess what? You would see other albums next to Eminem, DMX, Ja Rule, Nelly, whoever, so on and so forth. You would see all those albums, and that would encourage you to buy other albums as well. You would see Eminem's Marshmallows LP, and then you would see, you know, I don't know, DMX, It's Hell, Dark is Hot, whatever, any album, Jay-Z, Hard Knock Life. You would see, you know, these albums right next to it, and it would encourage you to buy them. It would be like, oh, this, this guy looks cool. I don't know who Jay-Z is. Or, you know, with Eminem and Jay-Z collaborating on Renegade, Jay-Z dropped Blueprint at that time. Eminem dropped uh, in 2001. I don't think he dropped an album in 2001. No, he didn't. But regardless, he dropped an album in 2002, the Eminem show. Let's just say they had a Blueprint next to the Eminem show. You would buy both the albums. If you actually look at the years that Eminem dropped, everybody sold a lot more. So that just made everybody cooler. Not just Jay-Z, it made everybody cooler. And the thing that people in America do not understand, and it just can't go through their, their thick skull because a lot of Americans don't think outside of America, that's the reality of it, is that Jay-Z is not that popular around the world. He's not. I've traveled to a lot of places outside of America. They barely even know one song from Jay-Z, let alone know Jay-Z at all. Some of them know him as Beyonce's husband outside of America. That's the reality. In America, Jay-Z is huge. Uh, one of the greatest of all time, obviously. I think he's, you know, top 10 all time easily. But outside of America, nobody really acknowledges Jay-Z like that. Eminem is cool outside of America. Dr. Dre is cool outside of America. Snoop Dogg is cool outside of America. 50 Cent is cool outside of America. NWA, uh, Biggie, Tupac, Eazy-E, uh, whatever, any, any uh, Wu-Tang, uh, you know, those, those category of artists are cool outside of America. They're doing numbers. They're always, if they if some of them were alive to this day, they could still, if Easy was alive to this day, you could still tour around the globe. Eminem right now could just do a global tour. Right now, 50 Cent is literally doing a global tour. He's starting in America, selling out shows in America, and then going around the globe and constantly adding dates. He's got like a 
day tour, like a 95 day tour. It's going to be more, so like 95 different locations he's stopping by, which is insane. And he's still adding on more to that. I'm sure it's going to be over 100 by the time he's done because, you know, people are asking, requesting for him. And people think, oh, he's not relevant. This is not the case, you know, this blah, blah, blah. You guys don't know. There's a whole globe out there. And this is mainly for Americans because Americans don't think outside of America. A lot of people that I have conversations with, they only think of in America. And I know America is the number one spot. Obviously, it's the birthplace of hip-hop. So, yes, when you're cool in America, you're usually cool around the globe. But a lot of artists didn't re- reach that global status. At the time, Jay-Z was doing like 2 to 3 million album in sales. Like uh, Hard Knock Life at the time did like 2, 3 million copies. You know, the most Jay-Z was doing, yeah, the most he was probably doing was multi-platinum, 3 million, maybe 4 million. So Eminem was doing literally like 20, 30 million globally. In America, he was doing 10 million alone. And then you go globally, he was doing 20 to 30 million in sales. The Eminem show did like 22 million in like a year or two years, which is insane. That's quadruple five, six times more than what Jay-Z was doing. So yes, Big Gip is right. Eminem made Jay-Z cooler. And there's nothing wrong with that. Eminem is white. He's going to attract a whole different audience to hip-hop. And that's probably one of the biggest contributions from Eminem is the fact that he made hip-hop a lot more global. Way more global. Because what do you relate to more? Something that looks like you or something that doesn't look like you? And, you know, white kids see a white rapper, they're going to relate to that a lot more than they are you know, Jay-Z or Dr. Dre or Snoop Dogg or anybody else around that time. So I don't see what, you know, why anybody's getting mad about this. It's just simple facts. Like I said, you can look up, look up every year that Eminem dropped. Besides 1999, his first album, because Eminem didn't really blow, blow up like that. After the album dropped, you know, eventually he got hotter and hotter. But look at the year 2000 when he dropped Marshall Mathers LP. Look at the year 2002 when he dropped Eminem's show. Look at the year 2004 when he dropped Encore. Around that time, you'll see every year he dropped, every artist around him was selling a lot more than they would normally sell because, you know, they would go to stores, see Eminem's album, they would buy other people's albums as well. So, yes, Eminem did make Jay-Z cooler. Nothing wrong with that. I just wanted to make it clear that Jay-Z, you know, top five all-time, easily one of the greatest of all time, longevity, all that, uh, deserves a praise that he gets. But I think Jay-Z is overhyped in America to the point where it's like you would think he is the greatest artist period not even just hip-hop artist just the greatest artist period which you know I can understand if you have praise for him cool but outside of America he's not really you know that that impactful where it's like holy shit Jay-Z like Jay-Z right now if he did a global tour it would be interesting to see if he actually could sell out a lot of these places that a lot of these artists are doing now in America you you book, Jay-Z does uh, an American tour. He's selling out every single place, arena, venue, whatever, whatever the fuck. I don't care if it's a s- stadium. He'll sell that shit out if it's 100,000 people every show. No problem. Globally, totally different conversation. Crazy update when it comes to the Tupac murder investigation. The Las Vegas Police Department is closing in on Tupac's actual killer. I say actual because, to me, it was never Orlando Anderson. And now that they searched Keefe D's home... They found some things, and they're going to look into this. So let's go over the article. Tupac's murder investigation has unexpectedly kicked back into life this month, and now bullets found at Keefe D's home are to be tested by forensic experts to determine whether they are linked to the rap icon's death. According to Daily Mirror, Las Vegas police recovered several .40 caliber bullets while executing a search warrant at the Henderson, Nevada residence, belonging to Keefe D's wife, Paula Clemens last week. A former member of the Southside Compton Crips, Keefe D, is the uncle of Pac's alleged killer, Orlando Anderson, and has admitted on more than one occasion to playing a role in the rapper's 1996 murder. A, a Vegas police source said the bullets will undergo forensic testing to determine if they have any link to the bullets found in Tupac's body or on the scene of the homicide. Homicide detectives have kept forensic evidence from Pac's death scene and body, including bullets and clothing and secure uh, storage for over 25 years. They also have a full-scale laboratory analysis of shells, bullets, and powder from the crime scene. So they've held on to everything that happened 25 years ago, which is crazy. Uh, Microfibers or residues from the weapon or the bullet could prove to have a link. The source added there is no information yet on the history of the bullets, how old they are, or their significance, and it will take some time to assess how the bullets play a role in the
this case. The source said that the search warrant was executed because investigators feel they can assemble enough information that could lead to an arrest or an indictment in the long unsolved case. However, they conceded that it is a long shot that the bullets will be the ones from 1996. A 40-point caliber Glock pistol that was believed to have been killed to use Tupac was found in the garden of a Compton home back in 1998. An initial ballistic text test conducted by the ATF uh, in 2006 flagged it as a possible matching to the shooting. However, a second ballistic test done by the Las Vegas police determined it was not a match for Pac's case. So it was sent back to ATF, according to TMZ, after spending years in storage. The weapon was later destroyed by the ATF per standard procedure. Las Vegas police also seized various items at KPD's home during their search, including computers, hard drives, and photos from the 1990s of individuals who might have been connected to people directly or indirectly involved in the shooting. The evidence will be presented to a Las Vegas grand jury to determine whether an indictment will be brought forward. Further search warrants may also be executed in the next weeks. Uh, while no arrests have ever been made over Tupac's murder, Orlando Anderson, a Compton Crip who was killed in an unrelated gang shooting in 1999, was the prime suspect in the case. Anderson got in, into an altercation. Yeah, so it goes all, you know, hours later, they end up with a white Cadillac pulling up. Keefe D has always said he's been in the passenger seat. He said Orlando Anderson was directly behind him. And then two other individuals were in the car, the driver. Um, I just never believed, I, for me personally, based off of, you know, obviously in the, you could say in the 2000s, I, I believe it was Orlando Anderson. Yeah, cool. You know, that's it made sense. But once Keefe D started doing interviews in 2017, the first one he started with was with Vlad TV, and they started doing all these other platforms. That's when I kind of got a suspicion that, I think it was Keefe D that actually killed Tupac for various reasons. One, they got a new witness that recently came forward and said the hand that stuck out the window that shot out of the white Cadillac was a lot thicker. It was a bigger, bigger hand, bigger, you know, uh, wrist. And Orlando Anderson was a lot skinnier like me. And it just didn't seem like, it didn't look like the hand of Orlando Anderson, the person said. It looked like someone that was a lot beefier and fatter. And Keefe D is that. Let's just be honest here. And that's the first crazy new evidence that came out. Second, Orlando Anderson had a broken uh, shoulder because of Tupac and, you know, his affiliates jumping him. So it's kind of harder, you know, you got a broken shoulder, you're shooting one hand, it's kind of harder to do that. It's possible, don't get me wrong, but it's harder. Third thing is that Orlando Anderson was a lot younger. I believe he was in his early 20s or late teens. And Keefe D always in his interviews uh, says like, oh, they were just kids, they didn't know, they weren't about that street life, blah, blah, blah. So it's kind of hard to convince someone who really isn't that street to shoot somebody, you know, in a, in a situation like that. Like the way he explained it, it seemed like in gang terms was like he was he was just very low on the on the gang totem pole where it was like he wasn't a killer. So the way Keefe D talks about Orlando Anderson, he's like, yo, that's my little youngin. He would never, you know, he's not that type of guy. He was, you know, he was chill. He liked Tupac, blah, blah, blah. And you can always see in the interviews that Keefe D took what Tupac did to his um, nephew, very, very personal. You can see in the interviews that he, he kind of reacts like he's the one that did it. I mean, the best thing to do is to blame it on a dead person so they can't prosecute anything. But based off these interviews, I mean, if you go look at these interviews, I, to me, it's clear as day that Keefe D was the one that actually shot Tupac. I think it's clear as day. I think he just he squirms around the question. I don't know. To me, that's what I get just based off those three things. I mean, there's more stuff. That I can't, you know, go off the top of my head here, but those three things, you know, the new witness saying the hand was a lot fatter, it wasn't a slim hand like Orlando Anderson has. Um, the way he talks about his nephew and how they're, you know, they're youngins, man, they, they didn't deserve to get jumped, or blah blah blah. He didn't deserve to get jumped. Uh, having the shoulder being, you know, broken, all that to me, I don't know. It indicates that I doubt it was Orlando Anderson. And to shoot because he was in the passenger right, uh, he was right behind. Uh, Keefe D. So Keefe D was in the passenger seat to shoot, you know, across like that is a little bit harder too, especially with the broken shoulder. So, um, yeah. And the way Keefe D explains the shooting, man, it looked like he he was literally staring at Tupac the whole time when the shooting was happening because he says, oh, Tupac was getting in his seat. He's trying to go in the back seat and he was trying to move around and Tupac was squirming around. You know, uh, I don't know, man. To me, it just, it, it, something seems weird. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to obviously keep you guys updated, but, these bullets, if they come back to him, which is a rare, like a huge, 
shot in the dark here. The police even, the fact that he, if he still has these bullets from that time, like Keefe D is a moron. The fact that he's going around talking and doing these interviews and still having like evidence of shit. Oh man, Keefe D really, really bit himself in the ass with this one. And hey man, if he actually did it and he's the one that's involved and actually, he's involved obviously, but if he's the one that actually did it, shot him, this is the justice that Tupac finally gets. It's unfortunate his mother is not alive to witness this, but you know, uh, it's good to have a close. I think they're going to, by the end of this year, I think there's going to be a close to this. Maybe, it'll, it'll, you know, these trials take forever and shit. So maybe next year I'll get a closing. But uh, other than that, it's interesting, man. All these years have gone by. So we'll see what comes of this. And obviously, I'll keep you guys updated every single time there's a new update. Uh, ASAP Rocky. You know, I I, uh, I love I love when there's hip-hop competition. I always say this. I've said it 90 million times on the podcast. I love hip-hop competition. I love when, uh, you know, it's not Kumbaya sing by the fire, SpongeBob SquarePants every day. You know, I like when there's something going on, where there's some fire going on, some subliminal disses. Some, I like direct disses more, but we live in a different era where Drake has taken it to the subliminal side, even though Jay-Z is the one that kind of catapulted that bullshit. I'm not a fan of subliminals. I like direct shots, but I know... People like to figure it out and, oh, my God, such an art form to subliminally diss somebody. It's way harder. Yeah, 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 whatever. Uh, I like the direct shit, man. I like saying somebody saying, fuck you, this person. You suck, this person. Blah, blah, blah. Dog shit, this person. So uh, let's go over the article. This is interesting. ASAP Rocky, who's gearing up to drop a new album, debuted new music from his upcoming album, Don't Be Dumb. Don't Be Dumb. At Rolling Loud Miami this past weekend, and some fans believe he was taking shots at Travis Scott uh, on one of the tracks, and Travis Scott revealed his album cover. He's dropping his album as well. Uh, perched above the crowd on the set of Metal Stairs with several iced-out hair clips and his braids, Pretty Flacco took aim at an unnamed rival while performing a song called Taylor Swift. Hell of a song to be dissing somebody on. Uh, which hears him brag about stealing their bitch as payback for biting his style. This is what he says. First, you stole my flow, so I stole your bitch. Then you stole my style. I need at least 10%. All due disrespect, I hope you take offense. He raps on the hard-hitting track. Although Rocky's subliminal shots came without a name, that didn't stop fans from speculating that Travis Scott was the intended target. So initially, people thought he was talking about Drake because stole his bitch. A lot of people, you know, know that Drake and Rihanna had a certain relationship, but... Drake didn't really steal his style, so then people started thinking more about who does he have issues with, who is past issues, and Travis Scott's the one that kind of uh, keeps popping up, and it's because of rumors of friction between ASAP Rocky and Travis Scott have circulated for years, stemming from claims that LaFlame borrowed his drugged-out sound and fashion-forward style from Pretty Flacco. Uh, in 2016, ASAP Mob member ASAP Nast accused Scott of stealing the crew's swag an allegation that Rocky himself addressed in a Hot 97 interview that same year. He said, let the people decide if he's a biter or if he's authentic, he said. Uh, Travis, meanwhile, lunged at someone back in 2015 after they mistook, they mistook him for the purple swag rapper. I'm not no motherfucking ASAP bitch, he snapped while snapping, while stepping to the fan. Uh, Rocky's stole your bitch line may be a reference to the Flames' rumored 2015 fling with Rihanna, who is currently expecting child number two with ASAP Rocky. Uh... Other fans speculate that ASAP Rocky's Taylor Swift jabs could have been directed at Chris Brown, who dated Riri back in 2007 and 2009 before his violent attack on her uh, ended their relationship. Uh, Rocky previously appeared to diss Breezy on his 2022 single, DMB Rap, and I don't beat my bitch, I need my bitch. Uh, some were convinced that Rocky was instead dissing Drake, who has made no secret of his crush, Rihanna, in the past. She's someone I've been in love with since I was 22 years old, he admitted while presenting her the Video Vanguard Award 2016 MTV VMAs. Uh, ASAP Rocky uh, basically scored a lottery here because Rihanna's a billionaire, uh, and ASAP Rocky isn't that uh, the level of Rihanna. So ASAP Rocky's kind of he basically scored the Jay Z bag. Beside, what I mean by that is the uh, ASAP Rocky can kind of roll can can take uh, Rihanna's buzz. Because Rihanna still has hype. Like, her fan base is going to support whatever the fuck she does. The fact that Rihanna's married to ASAP Rocky, whatever ASAP Rocky does, Rihanna fans are going to support, and Rihanna fans are huge. So, he's going to 
eat off of that that uh that marriage and that cosign whatever that that's gonna that's the same thing kind of with Jay-Z is after he um you know he got with Beyonce all of a sudden you know he's getting known more he's getting more Grammys all this stuff and uh it's benefiting you know uh Jay-Z obviously is a billionaire uh, I think Beyonce might be a billionaire I could be wrong uh or she's close to a billionaire, whatever the fuck. They're billionaires at the end of the day. But Jay-Z has more of the net worth. Let's just say that. Jay-Z's, you know. But here in this situation, Rihanna has more of the net worth and ASAP Rocky is more of the, uh, you know, the lesser in this thing when it comes to relevance, when it comes to money, all that. But ASAP Rocky's obviously going to milk that. He's going to get a lot bigger now, uh, a lot more support when this album drops. A lot more people are going to fuck with him uh, mainstream-wise because you get, you know, it's, hey, that's Rihanna's husband, ASAP Rocky. Um, so it's a W for ASAP, man. Uh, the fact that he got her pregnant, he's locked her in, they're forever tied together. It's a W. Uh, I think it would have been insane power couple if Drake and Rihanna got together. Shit. Chris Brown and Rihanna, you know, they had something going back then. Uh, that would have been a huge power couple as well. Drake and Rihanna would have been massive though. I mean, just think about the fucking hits that would have been pumping out. I mean, both the songs they did together, I think went number one. I know what's my name went number one. I don't know if that take care record went. Number one, or it was close, or something like that. But they could have been pumping out hits like crazy, man. Uh, or what's my name? What's my name? Nah, nah. Or what's the, what the fuck? What records did he work on? It was what's my name? Was it what's my name? And then what else? Uh, work, 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 work. You see me, Jimmy? Yeah. So what's my name? Work. Both were hits, and then the Take Care record did pretty well as well. Um, so. Yeah, that would have been a crazy power couple. But ASAP Rocky won that. Uh, he took his bitch from Travis Scott. So a lot of people speculate it's Travis Scott. I could see it being Travis Scott since they're gearing up to drop the album at the same time. So there's going to be a little, you know, maybe Travis Scott's going to send some jabs back. I like this. I like some competition, guys. Okay? It's unfortunate that I got to get it from Travis Scott and ASAP Rocky. But we haven't heard shit from Pusha T and Jim Jones. Um, so I'll take what I can get on my end. But we'll keep our eye on this and see 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 what's going on. Billboard Hot 100. Uh, let's get into it, man. Lotto has scored uh, the first number one in hip-hop in terms of rappers' hip-hop. She is featured, though. It's not her song. Uh, the BTS member, uh, Jungkook, featuring Lotto. Track, uh, the track title is called Seven. Debuted at number one. So, shout-out to Lotto. I believe that might be her first number one. I could be wrong. But she's got the first hip-hop rapper number one as a feature. Uh, number two, Jason Adlene. Try that in small time. Small town debuted at number two. Uh, last night, Morgan Wallen, number three. Fast Car, Luke Holmes, number four. Calm Down, Rima and Selena Gomez, number five. Fuck You Mean, Gunner, number six. Vampire, Olivia Rodrigo, number seven. Cruel Summer, Taylor Swift, number eight. Flowers, Miley Cyrus, number nine. And All My Life. Oh, Dirk, number 10. Sorry, guys, for that horrible singing. Uh, Snooze SZA, number 12. Kill Bill SZA, number 13. Favorite song, 2C, number 15. You guys know that story about that guy that, uh, hey, mom, don't worry. You were a gangster. I'm a survive. The guy on TikTok ended up killing somebody. That's wild, bro. He had, a, he had a pretty promising rap career, but that shit's going down the drain after that. I don't know where that song's on the charts. I don't even know if it's on the charts anymore, but he had a momentum with that TikTok song. Uh, continuing on, Creeping Metro Boomer, number 17. Mm. Nicki Minaj, Ice Spice with Aqua, Barbie World, number 27. Obviously, the Barbie movie's helping that out a lot. Uh, Drake, Search and Rescue, number 35. That's going up for whatever reason. Lotto, Cardi B, put it on the floor again, number 42. Ice Spice, Nicki Minaj, Princess Diana, number 49. Young Nudie, 21 Savage, Peaches and Eggplants, number 52. Stand By Me, Lil Dirk, Morgan Wallen. That's going up, number 59. That's interesting. The Weekend, Playboy Cardi, Madonna, number 66, with Popular. Shake Some, The Baby, number 67. Oh, You Went, Young Thug, Drake, number 68. Damn, so that music video only jumped it up about 10 spots. Because I thought that music video would push that record up a lot more, but it went from 78 to 68. Interesting. Blood of the Face, Lil Boozy Vert, uh, number 70. Sexy Red, Take Keith, Nicki Minaj, Pound Town, 2, number 78. See You Again, Tyler, The Creator, number 82. Fight the Feeling, Rod Wave, number 83. 
Quavon Future, turn your click up or Future Dist uh, Sierra on, uh, number 86, or Russell Wilson. Uh, and uh, I think that's it. Metro Boomin, Sway Lee, Colin, reentry at number 98. Lil Uzi Vert, Nicki Minaj, Endless Fashion at number 99. Interesting. Yeah, interesting list, man. Um, curious to see where more hip-hop, because right now it seems like country and pop is, country has just been dominating like a motherfucker. Hopefully Gunna can get a number one with that. Fuck you means number six. It keeps climbing up slowly, so we'll keep our eye on that. But uh, that's it for today's episode of the Diverse Mentality Podcast. I appreciate every single one of you guys. Uh, you know, we're pumping out content on a lot of these social media platforms to support us, Diverse Mentality, TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook. Uh, you know, it's, it's building momentum, which is great. And hopefully at the end of this year, I can report really good news because right now it's going pretty good. So uh, if we keep this going, uh, we might end up, you know, having the podcast continue and do its thing. Like I said, I'm going to give it this last year because, you know, uh, two and a half years of running and to not make up, you know, even break even, you know, cause we're trying to break even financially. That's the, that's the kind of goal here, at least to break even financially that way. Uh, you know, the podcast can sustain itself. And then, you know, if we end up getting profit finally in the future, great, but you know, it's a grind guys every single day. So I appreciate you guys listening every single time, everything that you guys do, sharing, and liking all that, every comment, you know, it might not be of 90 million comments, but I appreciate every single one that comments, likes, watches, you know, every time it goes live on YouTube, um, you know, streams it on the streaming platform, Spotify, all these other ones you guys listen to, Apple Music, all that. Uh, I appreciate it. Like I said, uh, so stream us all those, you know, YouTube, all that, like, share, comment, subscribe. Have an amazing night, day, whenever you listen to this, and peace.